What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Southern New England's only home for sporting news radio. AM 1320, The Drive, WARL, Attleboro, Providence. Sporting News Radio. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320, The Drive, with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team right here on AM 1320 The Drive, as well as over the internet at 1320thedrive.com. Join me today in studio is Patty Vine of Providence Sports. And last night, a uh, horrible result for the Revs. Within the first 20 minutes, they gave up four goals. Uh, the fastest ever four goals scored, scored in a game. Uh, previous record was 35 minutes, so quite a difference there. And uh, the, the Revs just looked completely out of it in the first 20 minutes. Uh, is there anything to explain that? Uh, the, I don't think so. And Coach Steve Nichols said we this week they have to review their preparation for the game. Well, we didn't see that they did much preparation for the game. My thought is that they were on, on a high from a 4 nothing victory over Galaxy and then the victory last week over Chivas. And maybe they were not as well prepared, uh, did underestimate uh, Dallas a bit. They had to because the defense basically fell apart in the first 15 minutes of the game, and it was history. So I was personally watching another game, uh, the Red Bulls and Chivas, which was a 5-4 victory for the Red Bulls and a really uh, an excellent game. So I think the Revs, I don't think they ever gave up, but nothing happened after the first 15 minutes. Well, there are four more goals scored in the game after that, but uh, all of them ruled off sides. Right, uh, and exactly. I, I, thought, I thought two of those goals the Revs had scored uh, had a chance at uh, were questionable decisions, but uh, even so, I didn't think the Revs were ever going to get back into that game the way they were playing. Um, Dallas only had five shots on goal, and four of them went in, so it wasn't the best of games for Matt Reese as well, who had, who had up until this point been the top goalie in the league in goals against average and had an amazing 83% save percentage, so that was a disappointing result from his standpoint as well. But the, the offense um, without looked like they did miss Clint Dempsey. The previous game, it looked like they maybe hadn't, but in this game, they definitely could have used a player like him. Exactly, who obviously is on his uh, uh, training with the U.S. national team, and uh, we had the goals scored, as you mentioned, Kenny Cooper for Dallas in the fourth minute, then Carlos Ruiz, who was all smiles during this game in minute seven and minute 16, followed by, uh, with a Carlos Ruiz assist, the goal in the 19th minute by Ramon Nunez uh, for Dallas. So that about, that ended the scoring, and Revolution, as you said, never really, and noticeably never came back to pose any major challenge to Dallas, who remain with a team remaining in justifiably after what we witnessed <laughs> in first place with 18 points in the Western Conference, and Revolution then dropped to fifth place with only 10 points. And, and even with the Revs at only 10 points in fifth place in the East, they do still have a game in hand over the leaders DC United, and they're only five points back from DC United. So it's certainly not an insurmountable advantage at this point in the season, and uh, it's. It's a long season to go. I don't think this loss is going to kill them come the end of the season, but uh, the, the performance has to be wearing for them how, how bad they were in the first 20 minutes of that game. They can't start off a game like that. Against Chivas, they started off really poorly as well, and maybe we're, unlucky not to have been, maybe we're lucky not to have been down by a few more goals in that.
that game. So they need to start starting off these games quicker and getting into it from the, the opening whistle. Which goes back to what Steve Nichols' comments were after the game, that they're going to look at the preparation process. What's going wrong with the preparation for these games, that they don't come out right from the get-go uh, with a scoring mentality and good, uh, good defense and... Uh, let's see what happens at home next week at 7:30, when another tough, tough team will be coming in the Houston, uh, the Houston team. And Houston has re- kind of been in a downward spiral since uh, they lost Brian Ching to the World Cup. They started off very well, were in first place, uh, but have since lost first place to FC Dallas, and they only managed a zero zero one loss at home against the Chicago Fire last weekend. So both the Revs and Houston will be going into that game kind. Of a, with disappointing results after starting the season off pretty well. It should be an outstanding game at Foxborough next week. Um, good competition because both will be hungry for the victory. And uh, Pat Noonan, who made uh, an appearance towards the end of that game, should hopefully be back healthy and maybe we'll get the start in that game. So it, it hopefully should be a much better game. But if they start the way they started this game, I can't see them winning many games. No, it should be a much better game. Uh, And once again, looking at Dallas, last year, I think both of us thought they had a really good chance to get to the cup and didn't make it. This year, I give them an even better chance (laughs) to get to the MLS Cup, even at this point in the the season. I think Dallas made a smart move. They had uh, Eddie Johnson, and they traded him away to Kansas City knowing that he'd be gone for the World Cup. And now they brought in a guy like Kenny Cooper, who came from the Manchester United Reserves, only 21 years old, already has four goals in the season. I think a player like him, um, if he had been in the league a little bit sooner, might have even had a chance of making the U.S. national team the way he's been playing and uh, with, like, the skills he brings in. So uh, they're definitely a team that's primed for, for winning the MLS Cup this year. Exactly, and uh, Carlos Ruiz, if he keeps up on this goal-scoring pace, right now he's third in terms of goals scored. Uh, Brian Ching, in spite of his absence for national team uh, duty, still is the leader in goals with seven. Followed by Rossoff and Carlos Ruiz. And uh, Hovon Kravowski also has been off to a good scoring start, too. Another kind of a surprise there to see him at the top of the scoring charts after he'd been kind of disappointing his first few uh, seasons in MLS. But it's, it's really been an unpredictable season so far with the way some of the results have gone. And you mentioned the Red Bulls game. Um, right now they're only two points behind the Revs after their poor start to the season. So uh, I, I don't think the Revs would be too happy if they were a team that overtook them. Now, they got Jean-Philippe Peguero uh, from Colorado. And that has to seem now like one of the best trades that they made in the off season. He got a hat trick yesterday. As well as an assist. An assist. And I'm sure we'll gain Garner Player of the Week honors uh, on Monday, tomorrow, when they announce the Player of the Week. And we will be facing them in the not-too-distant uh, future. Uh, the date of that game is July 1st. So they'll be coming to Foxborough as well on Saturday, July 1st. Yeah, there was definitely some talk uh, when that trade first went down. Uh, Thiago Martins going the way of um, going in exchange for Gene Felipe Piguero. Uh, at the time, they, they added in several draft picks with that as well. At the time, it seemed like both, score, both forwards had been underperforming. So uh, it seemed a little bit of a dangerous trade there. But the, it seems to have paid off so far with Piguero getting uh, three goals last night and as well as a goal the week before. Exactly, and he is one of the top goal scorers so far in the season. Um, I did see some of that game, and Seth Stamler got two goals also, and he may be candidate for goal of the week (laughs) as well. New York had an outstanding game yesterday. And Thiago um, for Thiago for Chicago um, in the first in the MLS game of the week also had an excellent goal there. That was another candidate for goal of the week with some great dribbling. He's been another player that um, when he came to the league I wasn't that impressed with, but um, this season he seems to have been a lot better than he was last season and ha- really has become a great player for Chicago. So Chicago is becoming a, another team to watch out for, especially when they start getting some home games. They've been on the road so far this season, so looking at their record that they have the same amount of points as the Revs is impressive considering they've hadn't had a single home game. So once their home stadium gets built, they're another team that could challenge for the top spot in the East. 
Exactly. This is, at, like as you said, Sean, it's kind of too early, but uh, D.C. yesterday had a pretty good outing against Columbus Crew. There was a tie in that game, 1-1, and we will be facing D.C. on June 3rd, and they come to Foxborough on June 17th. That, so. Those will both be important games because D.C. United, as I mentioned earlier, is at the top of the table right now in the East with how they've been started off the season. But the other interesting thing with that game is Joseph Ninguena, who was part of that trade with Kyle Martino um, going to Los Angeles Galaxy, scored the goal for Columbus that tied that game. The week before, they also had a goal out of one of the players from that trade as well. So that trade seems to be paying off on Columbus's end, whereas the Galaxy came off with another one nothing loss um, after losing the week before 3 nothing to Real Salt Lake and 4 nothing to the Revolution. So they're certainly a team in a downward spiral. Um, losing Landon Donovan, I think they would have hoped to have done a little bit better than this, certainly against opponents like Real Salt Lake, but uh, they're certainly in not, not showing the form that they had last season, and they'll certainly need another great end-of-season run to make the MLS Cup final like they did the year before when they won it. I wonder if Steve Sampson, if this continues with uh, these poor results, I'm wondering if he can last as the coach of Galaxy throughout the season. I wouldn't be surprised to see a coaching change if this goes, if this goes on. Well, certainly last year, even there was talk of um, firing Steve Sampson after his poor start to that season. Uh, but then he w- made it and won the MLS Cup, kind of saving his job in essence. Uh, but it was really a strange move they made a few years back, dropping Siggy Schmidt when they were in first place for um, Steve Sampson, and they've kind of been in a downward spiral since, uh, notwithstanding the MLS Cup performance last year. But regular season-wise, they were only 500 teams, so. Certainly, I I wouldn't think his job security is very good right now. Exactly. And uh, we saw that they lost 1-0 to Colorado. And uh, the week before, Don Garber, uh, or at least May 4th, Don Garber was in Denver, Colorado. And his comments interested me a lot, John. And I've heard him talking about this, read about him talking about this at different uh, meetings. He's trying to really get the Hispanic community involved with the MLS, and he is planning for next year, 2007 season, to have games midweek, Wednesdays and Thursdays, with Mexican First Division teams. And Telly Future actually made an announcement about that. Um, they talked about July 18th through, I believe it was November 17th, having games on Wednesday against Mexican clubs, um, 33 games in total, and that all quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals would be shown on Telly Future. So that should be definitely an interesting experience because we've seen in the past um, MLS teams competing, competing in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, uh, which now takes place in their preseason, so they're at a big disadvantage in that. But in the past... And very little televised television uh, of televised games. Yeah, very little televised coverage of that, and MLS teams haven't done that well in that competition. Uh, a while ago, D.C. United did well, but uh, you also have to remember in that time, it was also played in Washington, D.C. when D.C. won it every game. So, Certainly, this should be interesting and a, a better test to see where MLS is at compared to the Mexican League. It's going to be uh, great for the league, I believe, and great for attracting Hispanic fans to the games. Houston has had one of the highest attendances, so and Real Salt Lake. So that's they both have very high attendance. But in terms of the new team, Houston is getting a large twenty thousand at their games. Yeah, looking at the attendances, Houston, Los Angeles, and Chivas have all been well over. Have all been over 20,000 in average attendance, which uh, comparable with some of the English Premier League teams. Um, teams like Blackburn and Fulham uh, get lower average attendances than that, so that certainly bodes well for the league that we have teams like that doing well. And it's also interesting to note that those are the teams playing the soccer-specific stadiums that are getting the better attendances. And Denver, Colorado, Colorado Rapids is also scheduled to get a soccer-specific stadium. In uh, I'm not sure which year that will be ready, but they are planning a soccer-specific stadium, and the hope is to capture more of the Hispanic market in Colorado, which uh, the Rapids have not yet done. However, I think that with this new initiative, um, regional competition with Mexican First Division teams, it's going to change the whole uh, face of MLS. I really do. And then the hope is to also compete in South American tournaments as well in the future. 
Which so we have to do. Certainly the first step of that is proving that MLS can compete with the Mexican teams because the Mexican teams have done well in the South American competition. So I think if they gain respect that way, they certainly will be invited into these competitions. That is a first step. If we can do well against the Mexican teams playing here in this Wednesday and Thursday night competition starting next year, I think there's going to be a huge interest in that among all fans. Then we're ready to go uh, compete in South America on a serious level. Now, the Mexican teams, first division teams, have their preliminary competition in the United States at the different stadiums before they go to South America to compete. And those have very high attendance for the most part. Yeah, so. and we've seen in the past that uh, the MLS teams have can, can do well in these competitions. As I mentioned, DC United, who did win the uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup when it was at home, but however, they also played in the Inter-American Cup, playing the champions of South America, and ended up winning that that year, um, and that was the home and away leg. Uh, obviously, that was just one time, but certainly I think it shows that the, the league can do well in these competitions if they're at the right time now, as it will be in their midseason instead of the preseason. Oh, I think, that's, I think we've got a great future, and uh, speaking of the future, next week is jam-packed with awesome soccer. Three games by the U.S. national team uh, coming up this week. We have the first one on Tuesday against Morocco, which will be played in uh, Tennessee. And then uh, I think it's on Friday against Venezuela. Friday against uh, Venezuela. And uh, that one is going to be in Cleveland, Ohio. And next Sunday, East Hartford, Connecticut against Latvia. A game full of uh, preparation, I guess, for the World Cup. Those are the last three games, if I'm not mistaken, before we go to Germany. Uh, all will be televised on ESPN2 at 7 p.m. Tuesday, uh, Tennessee. I, w- I was commenting uh, to you, Sean, how um, in the Olympics in '96 they played in Birmingham, Alabama. The first game the U.S. played was against Argentina at Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama, and it had over 90,000 people. And Steve Sampson, who was then the coach of the U.S. national team and the Olympic team, said, we're going to play more games in this stadium. And the U.S. national team has gone and played there several times since then, but that was the very first time. And I I really like the way uh, we're playing games in places that would not actually, I don't believe, be hotbeds of soccer such as Tennessee um, because Nashville, Tennessee exposes the public to uh, world class soccer and when I was in uh, Birmingham for the Olympics that's what was stated in all the press that people were so impressed with the international soccer that they had never seen or been able to go to an international game before so I think having games in places that are not traditionally hotbeds of soccer is is a great idea. So we'll see how the attendance goes at these games this week as well because marketing and promotion of soccer is so much toward the success of MLS. It'll be also interesting to see how Bruce Arena handles these friendlies, um, kind of scheduling them in a similar situation to how it'll be in the World Cup with the short spacing in between the games. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he chooses to play all the starters through all three games to get them used to that situation, or or whether he gets some of the backups time, which is also important. So it'll be kind of a balancing act for him in that sense. And also the the opposition, he has Morocco, which I think think he kind of picked them out um, to kind of represent similar opponents to what we'll face in the World Cup with Morocco um, coming from Africa, just like... Ghana and then uh, Latvia from Europe as well but um, Venezuela kind of doesn't fit in there but I think in a sense that's why I picked those other two teams well I did have a chance to get online and check out uh, at least the last results of the Venezuela team which were not were not that great their last victory was in September as part of the preparation games and they they won 4 to 1 against Peru. They then in October of 2005 lost to Paraguay 0-1 and they lost to Brazil in October of last year 3 to nothing. And their last their only game this year as listed on their website has been a 1-1 tie with Estonia. 
It was a friendly in Maracaibo, Venezuela. So they are also last in terms of listing of teams in South America in terms of uh, better teams. They're not listed. They're listed at the bottom. So it should not be a... Uh, a tremendous difficult game for the U.S. to win, one would hope. Well, certainly the other two oppositions aren't the toughest of opponents either, so um, maybe it's kind of a confidence-building thing to get some, hopefully some wins against these opposition um, instead of playing the tougher opponents and maybe losing. But at the same time, uh, a, big, a big important part is not getting any injuries in these friendlies leading up to the World Cup. Well, that would be tragic for the United States because they're going to be facing uh, some... They're in a tough group. Czech Republic is their first game on June 12th, uh, which is a Monday. Then on that Friday, or Saturday, I think June 17th falls on a Saturday, it's a game against Italy at 2.30, and then Ghana on June 22nd. Yeah, those should be th three great games. Czech Republic second ranked in the world right now. Italy um, lower ranked, but certainly I don't. I think they're a lot better than their ranking would suggest. Um, as on paper, they're second only to Brazil with the quality of their squad. So this will be. This is a tough group for the United States. But at the, sa at the same time, uh, last year they made it out of a group which was very tough, not as tough as this group. But I think the way they need to gain the respect that they think they deserve is by winning a group like this. And this is the opportunity they need. Whether they take it or not remains to be seen. But uh, certainly they can't. Certainly, if they come out of this group, then they'll have gained a lot more respect from the rest of the world. Exactly. Uh, the first game of the World Cup being Friday, June 9th. That will be Germany versus Costa Rica at 11.55 a.m., televised on ESPN2. In the second game, Poland versus Ecuador on June 9th. Those are the only two games for the first day, which falls on a Friday. Those will be interesting games as well for Costa Rica, who um, kind of had a poor lead-up to the World Cup, but um, in the past they've been a strong quality team in World Cup co competition, losing, not making it, not advancing from the group stages only because of goal differential last last go-round, and um, playing very attacking against Brazil, showing no fear, scoring two goals against Brazil in a losing effort, but uh, also tying Turkey and beating China. So they're definitely a team that can cause some damage in that group, and they also have an MLS player on the roster, Douglas secure from Real Salt Lake, so that'll be an interesting game to watch. And Group A, which starts off the World Cup, Germany, Costa Rica, Poland, and Ecuador, the four teams in Group A. Group B, England, Paraguay, Trinidad y Tobago, and Sweden. Group C, Argentina, Ivory Coast, Serbia and Montenegro, and the Netherlands. That's certainly one of the toughest groups out of all of them, with Serbia having a great qualifying campaign. Holland, always a tough team. Argentina, one of the best teams in the world. And yeah. Ivory Coast, a perennial contender from Africa. Yes, Argentina is ranked number one, in, ahead of Brazil, actually, in South America. And as I mentioned earlier, Venezuela is at the bottom of <laughs> rankings in South America. Group D, Mexico, Iran, Angola, and Portugal. There's also been some talk recently about Iran possibly not being allowed to participate in the World Cup due to political issues, but we'll see what happens there. Certainly, I don't think it would be fair to, to change that at this point and give somebody else a spot because they qualified fairly, but it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Group E, Italy, our group, Italy, Ghana, United States, and Czech Republic. As we mentioned, Group F, Brazil, Croatia, Australia, and Japan. That'll be a group to be watched closely by the U.S. Whoever finishes second in Group and Group E with the U.S.'s end will face the top team in Group F. So there's great potential that uh, the U.S. could finish second and end up facing Brazil in the round of 16 if the results go that way. Group G, France, Switzerland, South Korea, and Togo. One of the weaker groups, I have to say, but still, uh, every team in the World Cup is quality, so you never know what to expect. We would expect, I think, France and South Korea to advance out of that group. If South Korea can build on what they did last time, but of course they had a home advantage then, and did. they also had a different coach at that point, too. And group, the final group, Group H, Spain, Ukraine, Tunisia, and Saudi Arabia. 
so action starts in a very few days so something to look forward to all through June and into July certainly very exciting time and um, Revolution players Avery John and Clint Dempsey both going and Avery John has a chance to start for Trinidad and Tobago at left back and he'll have to go up against players such as David Beckham to cover them and uh, Clint Dempsey the way he's been playing for the U.S. Um, all reports out of the U.S. national team camp have been saying he's been one of the better players if not the best in the camp so far so he has a great chance of starting as well so certainly be interested to watch the Revolution players um, how they do in the World Cup and you mentioned injuries we have the three games this week we have five, four alternates from Revolution that potentially could be called up in case of any injury of course I think Taylor Twellman comes to mind first because he a lot of talk about him being snubbed uh, for the main roster for the World Cup uh, yeah, if any forward goes down, it certainly seems like he would be the next choice. Um, but also for the midfield, if any midfielder goes down, uh, Pat Noonan, who's been, who played well for the U.S., uh, just coming back from injury, he may not get the call up. But Steve Ralston had been a starter all th- for the U.S. all throughout qualifying, scored the goal that got them into the World Cup. So if a guy like John O'Brien, who has been injury prone in the past, goes down with an injury, certainly I think it's a great possibility that Steve Ralston gets called up. And then with the goalkeepers, the two alternates are Matt Reese and Tony Miola. Tony Miola hasn't played the last game. I think he's actually out with an injury, so certainly Matt Reese would be the choice there if uh, any injuries happened in the goalkeeper spot. So I would think so over Tony Miola. It, it could definitely get uh, bad for the Revolution if some injuries hit with the national team, because the Revs right now are having some injury problems of their own with Hernandez out, uh, Kano Smith, who we'll be speaking to later on the show, out with the injury, um, as, as well as Pat Noon just recovering from the injury, and several other players out as well. Well, the U.S. will be leaving for Germany on June 1st from Newark, New Jersey, arriving in Hamburg the following day, June 2nd. We're actually going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with some more Revolution Recap. to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Joining me in studio is Patty Vine of Providence Sports. And we were talking earlier about uh, Rev's injury problems and their loss to Dallas 4 to nothing. Um, they also had the reserve games this morning, in which they also lost 4 to nothing to Dallas, so I don't think they'd be too happy about that. But looking at the squad depth, you can see uh, Dallas clearly has a lot of players with first-team actions on their bench, where the Revs have several players on that who played for them who haven't seen any first-team action at all. They also played players out of position, TJ Tommaso playing defense, normally a, a goalkeeper, and several players on trial who have not signed for the Revs. It'll be interesting to see if any of those players can actually make the team, uh, but at the same time, it's disappointing to see the Revs have that few players actually on, on their uh, reserve team who are listed and that could actually play for the Revs compared to Dallas, who has the several experienced players there, which kind of speaks of the depth issues the Revs are having right now with Avery John, Clint Dempsey after the World Cup and the several injuries. Uh, Steve Nichol mentioned earlier that he is looking to sign, he's always looking to sign new players, but uh, is he looking actively enough with some of the injuries that are going on? He needs to sign new players. Uh, Dallas has, a, looking at the roster for their reserve game, they were able to put someone like Roberto Mina, who's really a first uh, class forward, in uh, from Ecuador in reserve uh, game. So they definitely have depth that we we aren't showing at all uh, based on yesterday's game and based on the roster for the reserve team. Guys like Clarence Goodson, who have been starter for this team this year for uh, Dallas, also got playing time there. So it'll certainly be interesting to see um, if any of these players for the Reds Reserve, obviously they didn't have a good game um, this morning, so it'll be interesting to see if any of them can make an impact on the team and get signed. But at at the same time, the Reds need to be looking elsewhere for players as well. Uh, We talked last week about several Reds getting green cards, Jose Cancela, Andy Dorman, um, talk of Avery John maybe getting one. So we can Uh, get some international... So it definitely there's international players, players that, that we, we could options for. We could get. Um, uh, something I didn't realize is that Pizza Hut Park is also going to be the home of this year's MLS Cup for the second time in a row. That will be 
um, the site of the MLS Cup. And certainly Dallas, the way they're playing, would have a great home field advantage playing there. Um, last year I was there too as well. Um, I think they were very disappointed not to make the final last year when it was a home ground. They've been given a second chance really, so uh, they won't want to m- make that mistake again. It's not looking like they'll let this second chance pass them, pass them by based on initial start, obviously, to the season. Houston, as we mentioned earlier, had, got off to a great start um, until they lost Brian Ching to the national team. Um, it's surprising that such one player would make such an impact, but uh, the way their forwards looked in the ESPN game of the week, um, it was disappointing. So uh, when guys like him get back from the national team, Landon Donovan comes back to Los Angeles, um, it'll be interesting to see how they react after playing in the World Cup. Um, the step down in competition, it'll be interesting to see how they react to that. Um, but when those players come back, the, the, really the games could change, and if these teams can hold on, to be in a position where they can stomach the playoffs, it could, the season could really change when the players get back from the World Cup again. Well, Houston also has Dwayne Di Rosario, a player to be feared, I believe, by the Revolution defense next uh, next week. Yeah, he certainly looked good um, on Saturday, but his options as for passing when he got forward, um, the finishing wasn't there. It still could be one of our one of our better competitions, I think, next Saturday, Houston and uh, Revs. It will certainly be interesting to see how the Revs rebound from this loss um, at home. Um, the first home game of the season, they ended up losing two to one to Chicago, and that was dis- they were disappointed by that. But back at home, the Revs have been a very strong team. Uh, the last two home games, the three one went over Chivas, the four nothing went over the Galaxy. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they rebound and hopefully get another big one like that, because um, the Revs have been playing some great soccer in those two home games, uh, but also disappointing is that they have the lowest attendance in the league right now at just about 10,000. Well, that's what I was just going to mention, Sean. I hope we get a good crowd at this next home game because the, the past two home games, the crowd has traditionally, Galaxy was a very big draw in Foxborough. There was always a, one of our biggest crowds at a Galaxy game, but not this past game. Uh, and Chivas, of course, the weather was a factor, a big factor. And so let's hope that we get a nice uh, sunny day so that, and hopefully the fans will come out to support the revolution. The other issue with uh, the Revs is the switch to formations this year from the 3-5-2 four, three, to the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, the 3-5-2, three, I thought they had been doing really well, when, well with the past two years. Um, the switch this year, uh, it seemed like it maybe started to pay off against Los Angeles and Chivas, but the games before that, it really didn't seem to be as fluent as the 3-5-2 where they played some great position soccer. Um, but with, with Clint Dempsey gone especially and moving Cancela to forward, it seems like maybe they're trying to use this formation too much and maybe the 3-5-2 might work better. It seemed that last last night they switched back to the 3-5-2 for a while and then they started controlling the game. Uh, does it really seem to make sense that they keep sticking out with this 3-4-3 when it doesn't seem to be working as well? No, and as in practice this week, I think we're going to see a big change when the team hits the field next week. Um, Steve Nickel will have to make adjustments so that we we don't have the same kind of start as we've seen in the past two games. I think another issue we haven't talked about yet about that game was the play of Shari Joseph. He would come off an injury uh, the week before. It was unclear whether he'd be able to play. To me, it didn't. It was definitely not one of his better games, and I think that was because he seemed injured. He didn't seem to be able to get around as fast as he usually could, and I think that was an issue in that game, and maybe they shouldn't have even have even played him. Hopefully he didn't injure himself worse, um, but he, he was subbed out before getting a yellow card because he's also on yellow card warning, so it seems a little bit questionable their decision to play him in that game, but it, it, hopefully he'll be back and ready for the next game. His comments regarding the game were as follows. We came out of the gate slow and sloppy, and they took advantage. We created opportunities for them, but it's not about where we were playing. They were a great team, and they jumped all over us, and we were not composed. That was very obvious, the lack of composure. Four goals in such a short period of time. And certainly after uh, giving up the first and second goals, you'd think they would have uh, gotten smarter about it and started playing some possession uh, rather than making those stupid giveaways. But uh, it seemed every time they had the ball in those first 20 minutes, they were giving it away. At the same time, they weren't getting any help from the ref, where the third goal, it seemed almost like Matt Reese got fouled at, uh, on the play before the goal went in. And certainly the Revs had two calls for goals that were called offside that looked questionable to me. And there, there was 
they can always blame it on the ref, but certainly it was more than that to this game. Exactly, and as I say, I think that Coach Nickel is going to be going back to the drawing board. His comments, clearly we were slow to begin the game. It's either one of those aberrations you have during the year. We had one last year against New York, a 5-4 loss, or we have to look at our preparation. When you start the way we did, everything tends to go against you, and that is exactly what happened. A lot of it was self-inflicted, but give them credit. They were hungrier than we were. Certainly the Dallas team uh, played a very good game, and the Revs need to be prepared for that, though. They can't just come out so flat as they did. And it's something that I've seen them do um, for a lot of this season, for several games in the season, that hasn't gotten to them. Like They haven't had to pay for it the way they did in this game, certainly. But I think it's something that they should have addressed earlier than this, because against Chivas, against um, a lot of their starts this season, have been poor. Even against Los Angeles, the four... One, nothing win that they didn't start that game off well and Los Angeles looked like they could have scored some goals in that so certainly they need to work on that and I'm a little surprised that they haven't dealt with this issue sooner good point Sean the flatness at the beginning of games hasn't been exposed as it was yesterday it was really exposed and uh, Carlos Ruiz Nunez uh, they all came out aggressive right from the gate and they possibly by watching tapes were able to see exactly what they could do to do what they did to Revolution yesterday the slow starts they planned to take advantage of that and they executed a plan to perfection I think part of the issue could be some of the inexperience in the Revs lineup with uh, Parkhurst and Riley in their second years but at the same time still have something to learn with uh, Riley not starting too much last year um, he's looked good so far this year but both of them looked a little bit out of it in, in yesterday's game and a guy like Willie Sims making his first start I, I thought he looked pretty invisible for much of the game as well and it seems like the draft picks this year have not had the impact of the past draft picks which is another thing that's kind of hurt them um, obviously the first round draft pick De Oliveira, De Oliveira hasn't been healthy to, to perform for this team but the other draft picks kind of looked out of place and a little nervous in their starts and uh, I think that's something they're missing as well a spark and creativity that they've gotten from the draft and guys like Dempsey Noonan uh, Twelman and Parkers in the past years and as I look at the Dallas roster we have two players Chris Gabondi came from UConn and I've always hoped that Revolution would add when they had the opportunity some of the star players like Gabondi who came out of UConn and could have been a Revolution player as well as Bobby Ryan who's also from Connecticut and that's something that uh, Don Garber has mentioned talking about creating youth systems where um, local players can be taken um, by the teams and not have to go to the draft. I think that's a great thing that might happen a few years down the road. Uh, but for now, the Revs certainly have other players that they could have drafted uh, at these times. Certainly a guy like Gabondi, um, they didn't have the chance at. He went the at the first pick in the draft. And they had Twoman in that same draft, so I don't think they could be complaining about that. No. But uh, it would be great for the see league establish something like that where the local players can end up at the local teams. That's going to be a big boost to MLS as well. So that we would have on our team uh, two of the top players from Dallas. Yeah, like uh, Garber said at uh, Revs Media Day, talked about imagine uh, like the NBA, for example, a guy like Kobe Bryant growing up in Philadelphia and going to Philadelphia. Uh, it would be great to see that happen. But at the same time, there's certainly soccer hotbeds in the U.S. that might have an advantage with. Um, you see all the players from St. Louis on the Revs. Uh, I, I don't think they'd be happy if all of them ended up on Kansas City. Well, it can't. That system can't probably work 100%. But it would be great to institute, as Don Garber is a great visionary. I think he's done a lot for MLS, and he's on the right track to make the league grow. Yep. And speaking of growth, uh, Toronto FC recently announced uh, going to be the next expansion team. We knew that for Toronto, a while, but right. now we know they're called Toronto FC, and it also looks like there'll just be 13 teams next year. So that'll be interesting to see how they schedule that and how that works out um, with a 14th team likely to be added the next year somewhere in the Midwest or in the South. Excellent.
excellent. And it, it is a tribute to John Garber's leadership that uh, we can look forward to uh, expansion, that he's coming up with ideas, at least that I totally agree with, such as uh, playing the games against the Mexican team. He realizes the, the potential of the Hispanic market that has not, by a long shot, been fully tapped into. And he's going in that direction. I think he's a great visionary and, and great for the league. And we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with Revolution Forward and midfielder Connell Smith. Uh, with last night's result? Yeah, I, I did see the game. I mean, um, I just think it was 
to exchange. We probably played as bad as we've ever played in a long time in those first 20 minutes, and Dallas probably played as well as they did in those first 20 in a long time. So, I mean, but things happen in the games. I mean, we just got to move on, forget about it, and get them back when they come to come into that in a couple of months. But those things happen. I mean, we're bound to have a, a bad game. That's probably the worst game we've had since I've been here. So, I mean, those things are going to happen. Everything has a bad game, but only the need to worry about. And uh, with guys like Pat Noonan out injured, um, who saw some time at the end of the game, uh, Clint Dempsey and Avery John with the World Cup call-ups, do you think uh, the depth is kind of an issue right now with um, the small bench the Revs have had in the past few games? Yeah, I mean, well, we're only allowed, you know, 18 senior players anyway, so when two are gone, I mean, that's already, you know, two important players, but, um, you know, we just got to get on with it. They'll be back soon, and hopefully we can just do well enough until they get back, and then when they get back, we can we can just move along and, and get on the roll. And the big game coming up against Houston, uh, one of the best teams in the league so far at the start of the season, but they also had a bad result last weekend. And I'm sure they'll be coming in hoping to get a result against the Revs. So uh, two teams, the Revs and Houston, coming off um, poor results. I think both will want to come out and get a quick start. What do the Revs have to do to make sure they avoid um, a start like they had last weekend? I mean, this weekend. I mean, well, at home, so we just got to, you know, not in this town, we, we got to at home. So um, I, I think you got to be ready. I mean, I don't know, so it's no start, no start yesterday, but, you know, that, that doesn't happen to me. So we'll figure it out. Connell, this is Patty Vine from Providence Sports. I just wanted to ask you how you ended up becoming a player on New England Revolution. I think many of our listeners may not uh, know how a player from Bermuda would would be signed by New England Revolution. What were the circumstances? Um, I, I just kind of got lucky, I guess. Uh, the Revolution came to Bermuda as we did again this year for a season tour. And, um, I played against them and I scored. So, um, and Paul Wings have a closer look at me and I went down to Costa Rica with the team and in the airport in Costa Rica they just told me that they would like to sign me. So that's where we went after that. And yeah. Are you the only player from Bermuda that is playing in MLS? Yeah, I am. I'm the first, first player from Bermuda. I have, I have a couple of friends that I grew up with in Chester, but uh, they're not actually trying contracts and got into a game, so I'm actually the first one to actually play in MLS. And you, your collegiate career was in both Vermont and at least, and you graduated from Lee McRae's? Yeah, I did one year in college in Vermont, and then I went to Lee McRae for, for the last three years. And for uh, you, the obviously the CONCACAF Champions Cup is something that Bermuda teams could get a spot in, and I believe uh, Danny Towns' coach talked about that, your former club talked about that, and but that the money is the issue. Um, for, you were there with the Revs I, when, uh, when the Champions Cup. How is that? How are those games experienced? Um, and would that be a great opportunity for Bermuda to get into that in the future? I mean, yeah, it would be great. I mean, but all the clubs, I mean, any professional, it would be very difficult to um, get into the competition. You have to get the major sponsors from somewhere. But um, people are not really looking to money to soccer in Bermuda right now. But hopefully, hopefully that changes over over time. But yeah, it was a good experience with the Reds, even though I was watching it. But um, it was a good experience. So hopefully, someday teams from Bermuda can get involved in it. And you talked about your team with the Bermuda national team. Um, is, is MLS, now that you've signed there, is that becoming kind of a destination, kind of a goal for um, some of your teammates? That uh, is that really the league that um, Bermuda players aspire to at this time? Um, I'm not sure players really aspire to, to play anywhere. I mean, players would take anywhere. I mean, to play professional with any players, players dreams. I'm not sure guys are really fussy, but I'm sure that they're probably taking me and playing against me and playing with me and thinking, you know, he's done it too. So why can't I do this? I'm sure that guys have aspirations to play in MLS, and it won't be too long probably before you see other Bermudians in the league. Because we definitely have talented players there. It's just a matter of just getting them in a the professional environment and, and letting them and Bermuda kind of has a Premier League. How many teams would be in the Premier League? Uh, it's eight, eight teams. 
And what would attendance be like at games? You mentioned that there is not the interest in Bermuda in soccer. Um, there's always the interest. I mean, people, there's, there's plenty of interest. People love soccer in Bermuda. It's just oh, not they the, do. Okay. The, the financial backing that, um, that teams need. But, um, you know, you can get some games um, played in the game at home. We played a, a, a World Cup qualifier and we sold out the National Stadium. That was nearly 6,000 people and there was a couple more. Okay, that's pretty good then. And uh, I know uh, last time I talked to you on the show, we had you on last year, um, we were talking about Danny Town and how they were going on a preseason tour of, of MLS to play some uh, MLS reserve teams. Do you think yeah. opportunities like that are great for maybe some of your fellow uh, Bermudians to get noticed by MLS teams? Yeah, I mean, definitely. They're playing against teams, that's all I did was I played against MLS teams, so definitely a good opportunity for them just to get themselves in the window, but also if it comes off, they can just get their experience and see what it's like playing at this level, players at this level. And we got to wrap things up here, uh, so thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, but one last question. Um, you've seen the teams play so far. What, what, what is your opinion the biggest challenge to team for the Revs this year uh, in the Eastern Conference? Um, I mean, DC is always good. DC has got, you know, good tradition going out there. DC is always good. Um, can't really count any teams out. I mean, this is professional, so and it's, and it's not that much of a gap. So you can't really count anybody out. But um, I think if the playoff system here in the States, any team has a chance, as you saw last year, the Galaxy just really made it to the playoffs, but they ended up winning the whole thing. So, I mean, there's plenty of teams that are still in there that can win it, but Dallas also looked good after last night. Houston, so. I mean, there's plenty of teams that could end up winning at the end of the year. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, good luck in recovering from your injury. We hope to right. see you on the Thank field you. soon. <laughs> I hope to be on the field soon. Thank you. That was Kano Smith, uh, forward and midfielder for the Revolution in uh, Bermuda International. Um, and before uh, we wrap things up, uh, where can people see writing from you, Patty? In the Providence Sports, which is actually an Hispanic uh, sports magazine, our most recent issue is just hit the stands, I believe, on Saturday. And Irvin Torres is the editor. And the magazine basically circulates in a lot of different small uh, stores in Providence and Central Falls and Pawtucket for the most part. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and I'd like to uh, thank all our listeners today. And we won't be around next weekend due to the uh, U.S. versus Latvia international game at Hartford, which takes place at the same time. But we will be back the following weekend, so uh, hope to see you then. Thank you, Sean. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.